HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Hey, this is Hannah Forden. I'm the program manager here at Heritage Radio Network. This year, we're celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary, and I want to thank all of our listeners and members for being a part of an incredible year of food radio. We never would have made it this far without all of you. So HRN is now in its summer fun drive, and this is when we turn to you and ask that you make a donation to help ensure a bright future for food radio. Whether you listen to one show or 20, there's a reason why you keep tuning in week after week. All of our content is powered by a small nonprofit, and we rely on your generosity to keep going. Help us keep broadcasting the most thought-provoking, entertaining, and educational conversations happening in the world of food and beverage. So become a member today. To celebrate our 10th anniversary, we have some brand new member gifts available online, so I encourage you to snag your new favorite pizza-themed t-shirt or enamel pin today and show the world how much you love HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate so you can snag your 10th anniversary member swag. And thank you. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere it's Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Katie Mosman Wadler is in the booth. She'll be here in a second. We also have Hannah Ford, our program manager. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Oscar, our intern, is hanging out in the back. Hey. <laughs> Keep him in the corner. Um, <laughs> He'll be you back. sounded in peril. Like, <laughs> we're going to come knock on our door and be like, what are you doing to him? Help him. Um, our engineer, Amanda Wang is in the booth as well. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Hello. Um, guys, exciting show today. We have some of our favorite guests back in the studio. We have John DeBerry and Michael Romali from the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Hello. Hello. And we have, joining them this time around, we have Lynette Marrero, also a board member of the Restaurant Workers Community Hi. Foundation and of Speed Rack. People that listen to HRN are familiar with you, yes. so no introduction <laughs> needed. Um, also, it's a really important day today because it's someone's birthday. Happy birthday Happy to Michael! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! 
Thank you. What have you been doing to celebrate your birthday today? Uh, John gave me these amazing platform rainbow sneakers, and I've been wearing them around the apartment and not falling on my face. So, <laughs> so I, I feel like that. the shoes have to be our episode photo. Like, yes. oh, like yeah. you guys are both like very yeah. lovely to look at, but I feel like our listeners need to know what we're talking about because they're extraordinary. They're like rainbow bright, if yeah. anyone remembers. Yeah. Like the most rainbow fantastic shoes ever. John, John I love got it. The birthday present, right? And I actually got them a long time ago, and it's surprisingly hard to hide oh. like five inch platform sneakers. I in, would think. Uh, where so. did you put them? Apartment. Don't you want? We'll never. Know. <laughs> we also have a birthday cake for the birthday. Yay! Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Michael. Happy birthday to you. And happy Stonewall and Pride. <laughs> Got them all in one row. Yeah. Can we describe this cake? It's it's hot. Like, Tell me about it. Uh, what? Tell me about okay, it. Okay, so oh I think it's a raspberry and mango mousse with a coconut sponge. Oh. That's what's inside of it. So great it British bake like off of you. It looks like a giant lifesaver. Yeah. <laughs> it is gorgeous. <laughs> Yay. Great job picking out thank the cake, you, guys. You. It's beautiful. The, the picture that you sent me, Katie, really didn't do it justice because it's so much more vibrant and bright. Well, we obviously got the best one. Uh, it was already in the box when I had to send you the picture. It um, turns out it doesn't slid. enjoy the heat, but it's just kind of relaxing a little bit, and it just slid over to the corner. It's sort of avant-garde. Please put on the tray. Love it. Mm, I smell the candles. Yes. Mm. Um, It smells like birthday candles. What a happy day. Yay. Um, So we're drinking Negronis because it is Negroni Negroni week. week. Oh, did I spoil it? Sorry. No. I was in the other room lighting a big fire. We're excited about Negroni (laughs) week. Um, If you aren't familiar with Negroni week, we're going to get into that a little bit later, what the deal with Negroni week is. But um, first, we have a couple of announcements and some headlines. Um, You heard at the top of the show Hannah giving us the 411 on the... Uh, summer fun drive but Hannah do you want to give any updates on the drive repetition 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 that's what I always say and hey guys you heard me say it once I'm just gonna reiterate slightly it's our summer fun drive and I don't know if you know it takes like so much work and so much money to make food radio and it's super super fun but we still need your help (laughs) to make it happen Um, and thank you for listening but if you enjoy what you hear if you listen to any of our shows, um, take a minute and make a gift of whatever level makes you happy, and it'll mean the world to us because you'll show us how much HRN and food radio means to you. We truly, truly, truly can't do it without all of you. So go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. I've made some really, really special presents for you that I hope you like. So check those out, <laughs> pick one out, and uh, you'll make us really, really happy. Yeah, and the more donations come, the more uh, easy it is for Hannah to put the fun in Summer Fun Drive. (laughs) So um, keep them rolling in. Also, we have to give a huge shout out to a couple of big, big supporters today because we just closed our charity buzz auction for summer. And uh, one of you lovely human beings bid over $10,000 to tailgate with Gary V. Worth it. At a Jets game. I almost said a Mets game. That's the other game. Um, so that's incredible. Thank you so much. All of those dollars go to supporting food radio. And then another one of our amazing fans donated over $3,000 to have lunch with Phil Rosenthal. Also and, worth uh, it. that's going to be so worth it. It's either going to be New York or LA, your choice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the 
bottom of our hearts. And especially thanks to Phil and to Gary V for donating those lots, uh, making somebody's day and just incredible beyond and for helping support our summer drive. We love you. We really do. Awesome. Okay, so now we have a few headlines. Um, and in the spirit of pride, all of our headlines this week are pride related. So Katie, kick us off. All right. Uh, so June, it's pride, Yay. which means people all around the world are gathering to honor the LGBTQ community with parades, parties and celebrations of all kinds. Here at HRN, it's no different. We are coming at you with some pride themed headlines. So this week on Meet and Three, we dropped a very special episode exploring some of the history and the present of LGBTQ communities gathering around food. We teased the first episode, first ever, guys, of Queer the Table, new to the HRN lineup, and we enjoyed an always wholesome and warm bowl of food at Queer Soup Night and traveled to Toronto, Canada for a dazzling drag brunch. Um, so we teased it in Meet and 3, but the time is finally here. Episode 1 of Queer the Table has hit the airwaves, and we're so excited the show focuses on the importance of gathering and queer communities to eat together. It was um, important to Nico Whistler, our host, to start with the reminder that the right to do it visibly and in a public space has been hard won. Tune in to hear the stories of three pre-Stonewall era uprisings that took place in late night restaurants that served as safe spaces for queer folks. The Compton's Cafeteria Riot, the Dewey's Cafeteria Sit-In, and Cooper's Donuts Riot. And on the latest Bushwick podcast... Uh, Luke takes us behind the scenes for our neighborhood's very own queer feminist theater company called Sacred Theater. Nope. Sacred Circle Theater. Sorry. Um, so host Luke Griffin takes listeners with him to learn about how those at the company are reimagining theater to build a space where everyone belongs and creating an intimate, vulnerable experience unlike any other on the stage. Um, you can find this episode as well as any of our other content at heritageradionetwork.org and anywhere you get your podcast. So be sure to subscribe to Meet and Three, Bushwick Podcasts, Queer the Table, and uh, all of our other shows. Yes. Thanks for those headlines, Oscar. Nailed yeah. it. And like Hannah said, just casually subscribe to all the shows. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have, you have a job, time. do you? You have time to yeah. listen to all of them. It's cool. It's only like 35 hours a week. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you have time. Yeah. Um, two people that I think don't have time are John and Michael. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very, very busy. So, guys, you were here about six months ago talking about what's new with um, RWCF. Uh, what's happened since then? Take it away. <laughs> you, you seem really prepared. You have notes. Right? Uh, I have yes. notes. I have, do have notes. Um, so a couple of things. We have we set out our objectives for this year of really building our um, uh, people who have joined as members to become, uh, you know, sign up for our newsletter and learn about uh, what's going on contemporaneously in the restaurant field. So we sent out four no newsletters over the past um, six months. Uh, and we have built our board. We are we had a goal of getting our board up to twenty people, and we're um, very getting very close. We've just added some voted some new board members onto the board. Uh, we are planning. We our events committee has uh, met twice, and we have basic uh, set. Uh, we're going to have a big our first big fundraiser in late September. We're very excited about that. Um, but I think most importantly, we've really been um, working with other organizations in the restaurant field and in mental health, substance abuse, um, sexual violence, uh, other organizations working in our program areas and learning about how they could apply what they're doing to the restaurant industry if they're not already working with restaurant workers. 
been talking a lot with those people. Uh, we've been writing a lot about restaurant issues and writing op-eds uh, and really getting the message out that we are a community and that we're ramping up and we're really organizing. I want to come back to the op-ed because you have a really great one that we want to talk about, especially it's very much in line with um, Pride Month. Um, but Lynette, you're a board member of RWCF. Talk a little bit about how you got involved and, and why this organization is important to you. <laughs> Oh, well, I got involved because John stalked me and said, you must come do this thing with me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, this community uh, that we're very fortunate to be in. Uh, the hospitality community is extremely generous and, you know, really galvanizes to a lot of causes. And I, and I got, have gotten to see that over the last eight years with Speedrack that our community can make really big changes. And we are starting to really embrace, um, you know, I think we have an opportunity to show the broader world what can be accomplished within a smaller community. You know, we've tackled, we're tackling diversity. We have dealt with, you know, we were tackling with Me Too issues far ahead of the rest of the country before it happened. So I think the vision was just right on that we need to be ahead of the curve and really addressing things, you know, like mental health and things that really, you know, as this industry becomes more sustainable, it's only sustainable if we make it for the people who are in, in it and feeding that. And I think that's why restaurant workers is so important because it's, it's thinking ahead of, of that. And I think it's the time now, I think we finally have an opportunity where um, people are engaged and understand that, uh, restaurant workers are doing this as a career and that's and that's really been building and building but we have to be treated like any other workers in America and that those systems need we need to push for them to be in place so I'm very proud to be the cheerleader megaphone whatever we need to to uh, make those things happen and um, are you still working with llama in I am cool <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about the fact that you're very much still a member of this community it's like what you do day in and day out and then how you kind of fold in your work with RWCF into like your day-to-day -day life absolutely so actually we had a fundraiser at Llama Inn the other night and John and Michael came and we uh, gave up the restaurant for the evening to uh, an organization called Hellem which uh, works to um, help basically legal fees for anyone who is persecuted because of their uh, of gay rights. And so we had this great event that night, and it was really about community coming together um, and, and being in a space that, you know, at Llama Inn, we are, you know, it's it's a beautiful company run by lots of brown people. And so our, the community vibe that's in there, it very much is that Latino hospitality. And what you do is you see that um, in the most wonderful of ways. We're really trying, working hard to um, build up our team so we have a comfortable space for Spanish speakers and workers, and then we're also really helping them uh, if, as they want to, to move up and progress their career within within our uh, community, and that's been really important. Uh, actually, this year we got to promote one of our barbacks who's been with us for over two years to bartender, and his first cocktail is on our menu this year, and so that kind of growth in those pathways need to be open to a broader community than we've previously seen. And, and I've done that already with my work with women, and now we can uh, expand that within our community. But you know that is what it's about. It's identifying that next wave of people who are going to make hospitable places and, and talk the talk and walk the walk. Amazing. Um, John, can you talk more about other events that RWCF has been working on and, and what you hope to do for events going forward? Well, yeah. So we, uh, I think a lot of what's going on since we launched is like sort of coming to terms with reality and having plans and being able to, to roll with 
to ex execute those plans, but also know where uh, what you can and can't do. So we, uh, you know, I have, I have, I'd love to host like a huge gala sometime, someday. So like your 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 yearly gala is actually quite inspirational to me, and it's like kind of the model I'd love to like replicate. <laughs> oh, wow. But you know, we're basically like a, a couple of part time volunteers at this point. Um, so we're hoping to do uh, a few smaller, um, more low stakes events, uh, just kind of like similar to the event that we did last year, where it's just gathering people in the community and talking to people. Uh, and then, but now that we're sort of up and running, it's, it's a little bit more of a fundraiser and a little bit more trying to do like silent auctions, raffles, other kinds of ways of raising money um, from the community. Uh, now that we have a guy stake in the ground and we can say, hey, this is what we're doing and we need your help to to make it happen, just like you know, you guys are doing with your summer fun drive. Yeah, which you should definitely <laughs> donate to. And it's it's our. I mean, to that point, I think what we've really noticed is is how um, it's really when you start a charity, it's the hardest thing. No one no one tells you charities are really hard to do, <laughs> yeah. um, but they are, and you have to really find ways of of explaining what you're doing to a broader community. And I think internally, we are really kind of finding our own identity. And I think through the new uh, board members that we have, we've gotten so many great ideas. And that's that's what's great about this mm -hmm. industry. You know, uh, like I found, like, I'm like this really casual recruiter. I'll go to an event and be like, hey, what are you doing right now? Oh, great. You just left this job. What are you doing? We need you right now. Come and do this. So we just uh, recruited, you know, I'm like constantly out there looking for people who want to um, add some of philanthropic work to their to their plate. And I think a lot of people want to, and it's about finding that time and, and that way. And so, um, for us, I think a big part was people who are really experienced in communications and how we can get our word out there. And, and especially with these events that we plan on doing, uh, you know, doing those low stakes events fit a lot within who we are as a community, because if we can get the broader, more people coming to a smaller events, then we can obviously spread the word on a, on a bigger basis. You know, New York gets hit with a lot of big galas and for us to distinguish ourselves, you know, we're like, you know what, we're grassroots and we should have grassroots things and we can invite as many people to come so we, we can spread that uh, to a bigger platform. And then the next things that we're really going to try and work on is, you know, we have a listening campaign that we've been pitching for a while to really f find out um, what the needs of our community are. And I think you know, we can identify and, and say what we think those things are right now and start working towards those charities, but there's probably issues that we don't know yet mm -hmm. that we can expand upon and really maybe, uh, you know, have a, a more singular focus uh, in, the, in the areas that we have on tackling little things that we can make change on and then progress forward from there. Um, I want John to talk about our connection to Negroni Week because we're yes. very happy about Negroni <laughs> Week. Um, but I think the last time we were here, we might have talked about uh, the fact that we were going to do this um, charity little uh, drag show. Yes. How oh did my it God. go? So much fun. And you'd be surprised how much money drag queens can raise on a Tuesday night in, in uh, Williamsburg. I was really super impressed with the people at... Um, Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on well, Wallbreaker. It's a, it's a monthly uh, benefit yes, called Wallbreaker. The people at Wallbreaker were just amazing. They did such a wonderful job on our behalf and they raised lots of funds for us. It was great. So that was our first little like kind of public fundraiser. And then we're doing Negroni Week and we're doing our big fall fundraiser and then a small fundraiser. You want to say? Is it you? I don't Let's know what's do your Negroni order week. you want to talk about. Negroni I don't week. have any order. You okay. guys can totally steer the ship. Uh, yeah, Negroni Week. Yeah, so uh, we uh, we have been thinking about joining Negroni Week, uh, sort of not really as like a, a a major thing. Just like oh yeah, we should we should get involved somehow and try 
try to see if, if, if we can be a partner with Negroni Week. Uh, and so we, the way that it works now is that you ha- kind of have to apply to be one of their, their charities. Um, and so we, we got through that process, uh, which was a kind of a relief, felt a little validating. And then, uh, la- like last week, the, ro- the person who ran Negroni Week sent over an Excel spreadsheet of all of the uh, the accounts that had uh, signed up for to, to benefit us. And, you know, if you had asked me like two weeks ago how many it would be, I would have said like 20, like 50 maybe. It was like 264. Wow. Which is out of control. Like, are, wow. Uh, <laughs> you're the chosen charity of 260 some, yeah. you know, restaurants. That's amazing. That's incredible. Globally, wow, which is pretty Yeah, which impressive. is like from Argentina. There, what did you say, Thailand? There is a bunch in yeah. Thailand, uh, I believe Israel. So for us, you know, this the I, I'm involved with a Negroni Week through our Speed Rack partner as well, Share, uh, and I was in a seminar with Karen Foley from Imbibe Magazine last year, and we talked a lot about these kind of initiatives. And this is just kind of when we were starting, and you know, I yapped in my mouth, I'm like, "Hey, we're doing this thing," and then we sent them all invites on in the fall when we were launching, and it was great because becoming, you know, the, the when you look at the list of the charities that Negroni Week has, they range in so many different places, and there wasn't anything really what we were in our focus. And I think that was really advantageous for us because people clicked on it and resonated uh, with what we're trying to do. And I think why globally people saw it is because I think everyone's kind of, you know, it's that thing that happens. Like we don't realize everyone everywhere is always trying to think of the similar ideas and that happens in our industry. And so I think we resonated with what we're trying to do with a broader global cocktail community, which is pretty pretty awesome because that means we now have contacts in many different places. And um, I think the initiative will grow and if we inspire place you know people in their community to start other restaurant worker community foundations that's kind of always the goal is to see you know communities themselves rising up to to do that as well yeah and we talked about this a little bit with like the giving kitchen and and you guys have been in touch with them and i think the similar thing is happening happening where restaurants when they have the opportunity to give back to an organization that's actually going to benefit Mm -hmm. the people that work in their industry it's very exciting and that's why and on one hand it's not at all surprising that that many people would Mm -hmm. want to support the organization yeah yeah yeah. but then our local shout out too so it says existing conditions is doing negroni week for us all of the rains law room or dear irving locations freeman's freeman's the gibson uh grand army Mm -hmm. There's like, yeah. So a lot, a lot locally here in New York. Apologize to the the ones we didn't name. Which is pretty, pretty great. You have a few days left to go uh, drink up Negronis and support us. Um, And it is a really cool initiative. I think it's been going on for five years now. Is that... Uh, oh, I, I remember how many years. It's been down. quite a few uh, years. 2013. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at that. So oh, six, in the newsletter. We're in the You're sixth right year. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And, and it's been great to see how, um, you know, Imbibe and Campari have grown the initiative over the years. Um, again, especially, I think, when they went global, that was a pretty awesome um, thing. Because I, I really do, like I said, I, our community can make waves very quickly in, for a lot of things. So hopefully, you know, 260-something, that's a huge amount of accounts so we're so excited to see that and and to find out who they are and get bring them into the fold and um get them all involved um one thing i wanted to ask you about it's something that we thought a lot about with other organizations that have similar missions to hrn and we're trying to figure out how we can work together to you know be bigger than the sum of our parts Something that you did at the first launch party or the first launch event for rwcf is you were from the get-go already trying to foster those relationships and make sure that you, you know, we're reducing redundancies and working together and making sure that 
you were connected to the right other organizations. Mm -hmm. Why was that important? And, you know, how has that work continued since then? Well, uh, I mean, I think, I mean, we're here in, in, in uh, uh, Gay Pride Month, and, like, I think about the early days of the uh, gay rights organizing, which happened way before Stonewall. You know, the Daughters of Belitis and the Mattachine Society, they were, like, really, you know, small organizations with very dedicated individuals running them who were doing, you know, working their jobs and, like, doing this in their spare time, very much undercover. And um, I feel like restaurant organizing is a similar place. There's, like, a few organizations doing it, but compared to the thousands of LGBTQ organizations that popped up in the 80s, you know, like, we're at this, like, kind of, like, pre-Stonewall um, era for restaurant worker organizing. Um, and it's so important for us to learn from the experience of other movements where there was a lot of infighting mm -hmm. in those other movements. And we don't want to do that. We want to recognize the amazing work of other organizations like Rock United, the Restaurant Opportunities Centers United, um, and so many other organizations, both in the restaurant movement and in labor organizing, in women's rights, in um, uh, farm worker organizing. Like We have so much to learn from those organizations. And we've been trying really hard in this first year to not only make grants to some of the organizations, nonprofits that are doing that in essential, the essential work in the restaurant industry, but just, you know, sitting down and like getting together for coffee with some of their leaders and like hearing what they're doing, because they're going to inform also our like uh, t our restaurant tips guidelines uh, project that we're working on too. Well, that's like a really good segue to the op-ed that you wrote, um, which is lessons title is on the 50th anniversary of Stonewall 11 movement building lessons for restaurant workers. Can you talk through a few of those and, um, yeah, just elaborate a little bit. Sure. Uh, so, um, I mean, again, it was really acknowledging that we are part of a larger, um, history of organizing, um, and, you know, the, the gays, as I am one of them, I love to call them the gays, uh, they have, um, made some mistakes and they've had great successes and we should learn from both of them. So um, on, number one is like reframing to pride and community. And I really think that that is for restaurant workers just to acknowledge, you know, that we are a community. I think that a lot of times we don't see ourselves that way. Um, and we have unique challenges, but we also have lots to be proud of. We make people happy on a hmm. daily basis. We also in, uh, encounter like really deep wage and career ladder issues and sexual harassment and uh, exploitation of immigrants. There's so many things that we encounter together and we need to see each other as a community. So that's one thing. Um, working for the long term and realizing this is going to be a long fight, that, this, that um, you know, we have to look for our wins, but we know that we're going to be at it for a long time. Um, making the most of crises when they happen. Uh, I don't know what our crises will be. Um, you know, uh, and then uh, really crafting messages that resonate with a lot of Americans. I think that that was one of the lessons of the uh, gay marriage movement was just finding the things that people really connect with. And for uh, gay marriage movement, that was really around um, people 
understanding and doing a lot of research and marketing research about what resonated with the the heartland and that was you know these are people who um, have value and that want to deepen their own family connections and so like if we find the messages that will resonate for um, people who are generally not into labor issues that you know that we are a community that makes people happy and so that there's some sort of reciprocal relationship there. I think those are the kinds of messages that we need to like look into and figure out. So I don't know if I probably shouldn't go down the whole long list. <laughs> you know, I think that there is something to be said about um, restaurant workers coming out and really kind of um, being proud of who they are and talking about the conditions that they work in and talking about the challenges and really saying, you know, I'm in this as a career. I believe in, like, the work that I do, and I want to do it for a long time. I'm not just, like, you know, getting tips while I'm trying to be an actor. This is my this is my career. Yeah. Um, there was also, like, a, I don't know if it would be a meme, but there was a photo that was going around for a little while um, about, like, a, guy, a cook sitting on a bucket and, like, scarfing down a meal. Mm-hmm. And people were like, this is, like, how tough we are. And then very quickly the conversation shifted to, like, why? Like, why should this be what we're all okay with? And I wonder if you also, any of you see that attitude shifting more in that direction or if if the, like, kind of um, toughness aspect is still appealing and acceptable to a lot of people. I I think things are changing a bit. I mean, I think more specifically back of house, uh, I think, than front of house. Uh, I see bigger changes. You know, there's the glorified chef who's yelling at everyone and uh, is not acceptable anymore um, at all. You know, that has never been a way to really get productivity and that used to be used to deal with it. Um, And when you, you know, I know, you know, Kat Kinsman does a ton of work in this area, but uh, the amount of people in kitchens and back of house who have mental health issues um, depression and all these other things and, and it leads can lead to alcoholism and, and drug use and it's hard. I think there you know there's less glorifying that like I just worked 70 hours people and part of that's due to like all of the you know enforcement of the labor laws you know has been helpful in that way of you know people are looking at their overtime and as as things change like owners look at that now and it it's like the byproduct is now people get functional time off. Um, so I see a lot there. Front of house, I think it still has a weird, we're still in a weird place. You know, I think everyone's very split on like the tipping situation and issue. Um, I don't know anyone who actually all agrees on it. And, you know, for the most part, you know, especially bartenders have been given a lot of, um, celebrity and, 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 you know, it's kind of like, they get to walk behind that bar and it's it's their rock star moment and that's still growing in that way so you see i think you see a little bit more of teams starting to work together in that way um you know less floor versus bar but those those things to happen so i think we have a lot for the way to go um in that attitude but you know i think again people are just more aware the next generation of restaurant workers are more aware of their rights in a lot of ways about taking time and like, hey, I need my break or those things like which never happened, you know, we were working. And at the same time, you're like, there's moments where you're like, I don't need a 15 minute break. I need to just crunch through this time. But I think it's more of like everyone working together as a team uh, mentality. Awesome. Well, let's take a really quick break. We'll come back. Speaking and... of. Yeah. <laughs> you all deserve a break. Um, yeah, we'll be right back. 
Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. You'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. We're back. We're back. It's Negroni Week. We have cake. It's Pride Month. Tomorrow's Stonewall 50. But today is Michael's birthday. <laughs> what more could you want? I don't know. I'm fulfilled. Yeah. Um, more cake. More, we got we have more cake. <laughs> as much cake as you want. Um, we're also drinking Negronis. And life is good. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask John and Lynette as our bartender extraordinaires. What's the perfect Negroni? Ooh. Ooh, controversial. It is. Uh, I think I always learn Negroni is around the rocks. And there's a lot of people making them up. And I, I'm just not down with it. I think because of Same. like the ingredients. Yeah. yeah. John yeah. and I agree. Negroni <laughs> is a rocks cocktail. You can make the most beautiful piece of ice you want, whatever. But I think the viscosity of the ingredients needs ice. Mm. And then just a little bit more gin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's smart. Equal parts. And then you're like, gin. Uh. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the Negroni that I made here? Delicious. You can be very honest. I mean, yeah. You, that's like sort of. Because I story. didn't measure it. So everyone's is slightly different. They're all custom. I like that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Did you base it's... it on our personalities? Like mine is just like a glass of gin. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who got what. So this is this is the one I like to make. And I, I apologize, Campari. We love you. But I didn't use Campari. I used Amaro Ella Della Etna instead. And then I used a little bit of sweet and a little bit of dry vermouth. And then I decided to use this wild uh, gin that we got a couple months ago from a friend in Portland. I was going to say it's a little drier than normal, so mm-hmm. I never I never used dry vermouth in mine, so I was never. like, I was like, ah. a little drier. Um, so I, I thought at first it was the gin, but look at that palate be damned. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to mix it up. A little perfect Negroni. Yeah, in case uh, for our friends at home, if you are not familiar with Amaro dell'Etna, it is from uh, Mount Etna in Sicily. And the tasting notes are um, Amaro Deletna is a well-balanced with orange peel essence and a bittersweet rhubarb finish. So that's like very seasonal too. Yeah. I knew that. That's what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Oscar for getting our orange twists going. Yes. (laughs) And he went on a shopping trip. He went on a shopping trip and had to call for for backup. (laughs) Which Amaro should I get? Which size vermouth? Um, well done, Oscar. Thank you. You, you, you killed it. You. And now we have things to add to our speakeasy bar. Which is looking a little picked over. What happened, guys? We're thirsty. Everybody's been thirsty. Yeah, yeah a cognac like, binge over there. Stocked, and now there's all these <laughs> bottles with like a half an inch in the bottom. I'm like, if you're going to drink it all, just, like, just, just finish it. it. Come on, guys. 
Come on. Fair enough. That's, that's my housekeeping note. For never leave that. Like that Pierre Ferrand needs to be right. just finished. It's like oh, it's yeah. it's like a centimeter. Yeah, it's, a millimeter. It's pretty, Pretty Maybe sad. we need to go make some like <laughs> terrifying punch with all these leftovers and force feed it to everybody who did this to us. Do you remember when you would like get every type of soda at the fountain? Yeah, uh, it's a Long that. Island iced tea of yeah. the speakeasy bar of the most premium Hawaii yes. tea you would ever. Have. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it's the time of our show when we're going to play some trivia. Yay! Favorite part. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Ready. Um, okay, so. Also, I, I also wanted to say, to, we first time John DeBerry came on, we played some John DeBerry Jack Candy trivia. But John DeBerry's huh. Twitter feed is not as Jack Candy as it used to be. Really, huh. I'm it's, evolving. You know, it's, it's like, much more like political and like. Yeah. Well, it's just you the things... debates were last night. So uh, yeah. Oh. By don't, the way, don't, don't spoil it for me. I, I recorded it after the last. Are you going to do a double header tonight? I'm just going to watch through no commercials. I'll like binge binge all of the. Uh, Four hours of democratic debate. I can do I'm it. Sweating. I'm having a hard enough time not <laughs> yeah. giving spoilers. Yeah. Uh, any impressions on last night's? It, it's okay. I mean, besides the, the uh, technical difficulties, oh. I legit thought I was having a stroke when Beto O'Rourke started speaking Spanish because it was so confusing. <laughs> oh, I, I was heard, like, I heard all the Spanish speakers like, this morning. Oh my God. So much. You know Spanish. when you like realize you're in a dream and because like the floor falls from under you, it's like that's exactly how I was feeling. I was like, this is so disorienting. <laughs> Also, so, Beta Rourke needs to learn how to shave. He had like all these like little like <laughs> nick marks on his face. I'm like, put some makeup on, girl. He's an alumnus. Beto of did our not college. have the worst he is, Spanish he went to Columbia. accent, though. He did. There was best. one very, very clear worst Spanish, and I thought my eyes were gonna fall out of my head. It was really, really bad. Um, I, mean, I won't throw any shade, but the one can. who had probably the whitest teeth also had the worst Spanish. <laughs> Uh, I think it's de Blasio? <laughs> no. No, no, it was Cory Booker. Yeah. It's Cory Booker. Oh, no. It was just, really? I was just like, don't, he's just worse don't than at that point. Like, like, the Spanish itself was fine, but the accent was so mm. horrible. Oh, no. It just, like, I couldn't get past it. It kind of ruined it for me for the whole rest of the night. I bet oh. Uncle Joe's got some super white teeth, though, too. Oh, oh yeah. Probably. Oh. Here we go. On NPR so wait, this we... morning, they said that Cory Booker, had. they did a whole analysis. He had the most airtime. Yeah. He yeah. Got, was really? talking the most. He had, like, 10 minutes and 67 seconds or something is he dating rosario is that yes. true oh. <laughs> he, he, gets more, he gets more points for being with her yeah i'm yeah. saying i'm like oh man i mean make she's amazing <laughs> she's <laughs> doing a fine job yeah i have to say there was so much interrupting and crosstalk by like oh. a few choice individuals that like i almost put the remote through the tv because i was just like could you just not could you Can not they just cut their mics i was wondering if i know i don't know like, why they didn't they just like let it totally person. happen well because uh, they and then... have to strategize the people who are at the outer edges bill de blasio mm. the delaney guy or whatever, yeah. whatever oh, what guy that guy is that guy uh <laughs> like they basically start at the middle and go out based on like who has the highest mm. um uh, poll rating yeah. so they're trying to get a word in yep. edgewise so you knew the like the more was going to come from the outside. oh yeah it was just desperation though it was and then at the end i mean i think tonight's theme will be no stop. country for old men it's gonna be like oh, oh, biden yeah. versus bernie i'm like oh lord can't wait to see it i'm like <laughs> thank god for kamal <laughs> thank yeah. god yeah. Um, like, oh. <laughs> Man, it's what a what a wild couple days it's going to be. Dude, does anybody know what's going to happen for the next round of debates? Though because, a lot of like, people, we, we're not going to still have twenty. No, there no, no. God, right? There's another hard break, I think, yeah. right? For uh, the next one's benchmark? in September. Or August, so they're going to set like a stricter yeah, cutoff for. They're going to have an yeah. off ramp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good people Lord. are going to definitely. Yeah. People are going to run out of out. money. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. 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 
It's not enough bandwidth. Here's hoping. <laughs> um, okay, we got sidetracked, but okay, that was sorry. worth it. <laughs> that was so worth it. I'm. It's debate city over here. Okay. Uh, today, but today's trivia, since we don't have Jack Handy, John DeBerry, is our trivia theme is named after someone very special in all of our lives, but especially your lives, Felix. Oh. So should we explain our who cat? Felix? Yes. <laughs> Tell the listeners yes, who should Felix is. Introduce our friends at home to Felix, please. The official Felix on yeah, it's the it, the underscore official underscore Felix on Instagram. Follow him. Follow <laughs> him. Although I haven't, he hasn't posted in a while. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's our cat, and he has a very um, special personality. Uh, yeah. And if you look closely, very enough, memorable. He has a heart right here. He Aww. wears a heart on, on his sleeve. sleeve. Aww. Yeah. What does he look like? Oh, God. Just a mutt. He's like, like a normal looking cat. Like a, <laughs> but a very pretty version of what one. What color? You know, He's like, like the black and white. White on the bottom and like the tortoiseshelly kind of yeah. thing, whatever on the top. Yeah. yeah. Where did Felix come from? A friend of mine. He, she got... Uh, she got him, and then she realized her uh, roommate was allergic. He got, so, oh. he got so. passed around like a hungry bottom. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Happy Brown, <laughs> <laughs> Like multiple houses that he got passed around to. When when I we were over there for the RWCF launch event, he was very shy. Yeah. Too yeah. many people. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Over ten people, he wigs out. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cat Me too. Though. Yeah, yeah, fair. Okay, so the trivia theme is Felix. So, question number one is the name Felix stems from a Latin word meaning what? Cat. Happiness. No. <gasps> Happy. Oh, right. Feliz. Got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but then she got it right. So, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Yeah. There we go. Question number two. What beloved children's book character uses a golden potion called Felix Felicis? To increase his luck. Yeah, oh, I don't. Mm. Uh, phone a Harry Potter nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, no. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. Felix Unger is a neurotic... Oh. Odd couple. <laughs> no. What was the rest of the question? Felix Unger is an erotic neat freak who gets thrown out of the house by his wife, but then moves in with her, his recently divorced yeah, very messy I'm friend. Old. I know things. In what 1970s TV show? The Odd Couple. <laughs> <laughs> question so number four. Felix the Cat, the other one, is a silent era cartoon character created by Pat O'Sullivan and Otto Mesme. The most recent revival of the character is Baby Felix, which follows in a long line of baby cartoon revivals like Muppet Babies and the Flintstone Kids. What country did Baby Felix originally air in? I want to say Germany? No. No. Try another access power. (laughs) (laughs) Italy? Yes. Uh, Japan. Yes. Japan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Right. And then I think it did go on to air in like some Eastern European countries. Mm. Not here. We're missing out. (laughs) All right, last question, number five. Okay, so we know who Felix the cat is, but there's another entertainer called Felix the house cat. Do you know what his occupation is? You're DJ. DJ. Correct. I knew that. Wow. Well done. I knew it from like the 90s. He had had some Britney Spears remixes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you won. Yay! Great job. Oh, winner, baby. 
Tell Felix when you get home that you won oh, trivia. Yeah, one Felix. Your prize is the rest of this beautiful cake. Oh, <laughs> we'll eat all of it. Um, all right, so that wraps it up. But what is everyone getting up to in the next few days to celebrate Pride? Well, we're going out to dinner for Michael's birthday tomorrow. Yay! We're going to a drag brunch. Oh, we're going to like a rave, and then we're going to the parade. Yes, we're going to a queer mm-hmm. rave start, like, that start starts at like 5 a.m. Like so. oh. And then like supposedly right going there? directly no. to the parade. <laughs> wow. We shall see. How, how do you stay up? We're actually going to go to sleep after the, the drag brunch. That's okay. Fine. And yes. then wake up. Yeah, yes. fair. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Where's the drag brunch? I mean, day drinking and now. Uh, it's a Stonewall Quarter sh- Stonewall Community Foundation. Oh. There's Stonewall Quarter Share, a little young people's uh. group, which I don't actually qualify because I'm too old. Um, oh. uh, they're doing I'm a, in it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're doing it at some restaurant in Chelsea. I awesome. Yeah. So. so much fun. It's yeah. awesome. What a oh, fun Lady week. Bunny will be there. I'm very <gasps> excited about that. Yeah, they're Anybody sold out. Yeah. Sorry, you can't get I was working on cocktails today for Pride because our new restaurant La Mita is over on Carmine, so we're right in like the the area, and we just got our liquor license last week. So Yay. we have our Poppy Don't Preach this weekend yes. <laughs> that we're gonna be serving proudly at a, a proud Mary, our Bloody Mary for the weekend with. Mm. Rainbow heirloom tomatoes garnishing it. So, <gasps> so I was doing a lot of practice today over in the West Village, but uh, it's gonna be gonna be great and delicious awesome. and delicious. <laughs> Happy Pride to everybody! Happy Pride! Happy Pride. I have to Get say, I'm so excited about season. how many people are coming into town for Pride. Oh yeah, have you seen like how I'm they've delighted. redirected traffic in Grand Central already? Wow! So you uh, can't terrifying. get to the six train through the normal like if you're going on that like the main entrance, you can't go to the left. They're making everyone go to the right, and they're it's insane. So it's like giant staircase down, giant staircase up. Wow. <laughs> I'm having all these like mini college reunions this weekend because oh, all these fun. people are coming in. And Girl, you also, should if anybody be, wants like, to Airbnb in your apartment, I, know. <laughs> I did not. Plan there are some well. gays coming Seriously. into town who are uh, well, desperate for somewhere I, to stay. I, I'm, I'm Why didn't away I think my couch for free? Yeah, of course, our owner Juan has to leave town, so he has a friend stay his place. And he's like, lots of ground rules. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but does anybody want to help me celebrate a uh, little extension on Sunday at Rockaway Beach? Because that is where I will be. Oh. That'd be great. What a great just weekend saying. for it too. It's yeah. yeah. It's gonna. I think hot. it's hot. There's like maybe maybe a thunderstorm on Saturday, so we're gonna beach it on Sunday. Take the ferry. It's gonna be good. Love. Do you go to Jacob Reese? I think I'm just gonna go straight up Rock Rock Rockaway Beach because the ferry just goes right there. Yeah, it's uh, pretty great. Jacob Reese. Ever get a chance to go to I, Jacob Reese? I love Jacob Reese. Like the Queer Beach. It's the like yeah. the best, hottest. Fraggle Rock <laughs> Actually, there is like a bus, right? I think to. you can yeah. take a free bus that you can... from the ferry to Jacob Reese. Oh, really? I think um, you can. It always looks very sweaty also bike. There, so I haven't done it. Yeah, bike. That's a good idea. City bike. Also, there's parking. You have a car. It's true. Uh, but the Traffic's going to be a nightmare. is for drinking. That's true. Uh, <laughs> speaking driving. of which, Except I highly recommend if you are going to the beach that you make one of John DeBerry's um, yes. batch cocktails. Oh, yes. 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 Shout out to that Bloomberg article. <laughs> Keep on giving. Mint, <laughs> mint lime cooler is the best. Yeah. The best. I'm also a big fan of Ramona. Uh, yes, and, and uh, Jordan's just launched a couple new flavors, and they're so good. And like, Lemon. they're also like they look really incognito. So mm-hmm. I feel like no one really flags that you're drinking alcohol, and you're like, oh, you're like, but it's pink. Yeah. Let me tell you about the time I sassy. got busted. 
but not because we had all of our cans in koozies and the people next to us did not. And like the cop was on us before we knew what was happening. And we were just sort of like smiling that like, you got me smile. And he just looked and he was like, Oh, koozies. I love koozies. And he went and busted the people next to us who did not have their cans covered. So and your PSA your guys. beers were colder. Yeah. So win, you win. won all the way. We won the beach. <laughs> Quick plug here. I don't know if you guys are aware, but we have some very, very <laughs> adorable Heritage Radio Ooh, Network koozies, which I was doing some day drinking on the beach this past weekend. And, uh, That's a great cover. Support too. HRN and don't get arrested. Like, like yeah. Heritage win, Radio. Win. They can't be drinking alcohol. <laughs> it's for a charity, guys. Yeah. This is part of my philanthropic work. Okay. <laughs> One more lesson uh, to learn as a nonprofit. Yes. Um, okay. Well, thank you all for being here today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. For us. Always a pleasure. You're literally welcome anytime. <laughs> all the time. You know this. Every time. Every day. Um, all right. I think that's our show. We will not be here next week because it is the Fourth of July. Bye. Oh, bye. Yeah. See you later. Happy Friday. Bye. bye. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.